Welcome to Move Your Brain, Move Your Body podcast. I'm your host, Alina Kanner. I'm a certified athletic trainer and a postural restoration trained practitioner. This podcast focuses on bringing you the highest quality information from top individuals in the health and wellness fields across the country and across the globe. Move Your Brain, Move Your Body podcast was originally established to help people become their own best advocate for their own health. The main goal of this podcast is to bring you actionable tips to restore your own health and wellness or to optimize your health. Every episode done has a deep purpose to bring forth intelligent humans and help spread their knowledge to the general public. I want to thank you all so much for supporting and listening year after year. For the latest information about the podcast, you can follow on Instagram at MoveYourBB. And starting in 2023, I'll be posting these episodes on YouTube, and the YouTube handle is also at MoveYourBB. Now it's time to welcome the guests. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to Move Your Brain, Move Your Body podcast. And today we have an episode with two of my favorite humans. We have Lacey Lazoff and we have Melissa Paris. Lacey discovered kettlebell training in 2013. Working with kettlebells has changed her body and her entire career trajectory. She now helps clients build strong bodies with kettlebells, barbells, and bodyweight training. Lacey is a graduate with honors from Portland State University, holding a BA in Communications and Business Administration, and National Academy of Sports Medicine Certified Personal Trainer. She is a former Strong First Kettlebell Level 2 and Bodyweight Instructor and is a current RKC Level 1 Kettlebell Instructor. Melissa has a degree in dietetics and has been working as a personal trainer since college. Melissa has 15 years experience and nutrition expertise. Since the birth of her sons in 2014 and 2018, her business shifted to working with prenatal and postnatal women seeking guidance in safe and effective ways to retrain strength for the duration of pregnancy and recovery. We actually have had Melissa on our podcast many episodes ago, and she talked about her journey with her birthing experience. It was a great episode. So this episode is really interesting, a little bit different than what normally I have on Move Your Brain, Move Your Body, but I think you guys are going to love it. So on today's episode of Move Your Brain, Move Your Body podcast, I'm so, so pumped to have you both on here because not only do we have one person, we have two. So we have Lacey and we have Missy, and you guys are both based out of New York. And I have some experience with Missy, and I've seen Lacey's stuff all over. So just why don't you guys tell me a little bit about yourself, and we'll get right into it. So I guess, Missy, you can go first. Thanks. Thanks for having us. We're very excited. It's always very exciting to like obviously talk about your passion and what you do all day and what you spend your time and everybody has a story, which is very interesting. So, well, we met through Dr. Lyon and then also Dr. Kyberg also recently reconnected us. That's how we're here. So right minds think alike. I will try to make this short because I've been in the industry, like just in this general world of caring about people's health for a really long time. I went to my undergrad as in nutrition. And then, but I was also like personal training as my side hustle when I was in college. Okay, wow. Um, And then when I graduated, I went into corporate America and realized pretty quickly that it wasn't something that I just wanted to spend the rest of my life doing. And plus my mom had also passed during that time. So I was just like, okay, I was in this space of like, I need to really love what I do and I want to make a change. So went back to personal training, even though the company that I was working for at the time was also paying for me to go to business school. 
But I was like, I'm going to take a big life chance here. Went back into the fitness industry, worked at a club on the Upper West Side. And that's actually how I met Lacey. Amazing. So I met Lacey. So we've known each other for now. God, 12 years more? Yeah, something like that. I think we must have met in 2010 or 11. Yes, I think that's that's a while. Yep. When did you guys start working together? Two and a half or three years ago. Oh, okay. We kind of always had it be like, we talked about it for a long time, but we were both doing similar but different things. And so it was always something we'd like brainstorm over a glass of wine. And um, I think we had an idea, one, the pandemic hit to do this bigger scale digitally. But I think the pandemic is where it really solidified that people were open to that because before it was just some people were doing it, but it was more obscure. And then we had kind of the time as well. So that's how it started. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I met Lacey 10, 11, 12-ish years ago. And it was always kind of brewing. And it's funny, like when I fast forward, when I think about where we are now, I'm like, oh, that's so funny. Like we would just even kept bumping into each other on city, random city corner streets. So fast forward, here we are. It's like, you know, the universe works in your favor. So that's sort of my background in a very, very nutshell. Like there's a lot of details in there that I'm sure we'll get into. Like, you know, how did I get into kettlebells? Very postnatal. Like, and like Lacey said, there's just like lots of overlap. We both did fitness at one point at various different locations, but those are all minor details. I've just been doing this for a really long time. All experiences. I even took some PR courses. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And then Lacey, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background yourself? Yeah, I have kind of a different story getting into this. I also made a really huge career switch, but mine happened about years when I was 30. So it was a little later and Missy was a catalyst for getting me into training. Um, But I'm originally from the Pacific Northwest. So I grew up in Portland, Oregon, which is like very outdoor athletic, grew up as a runner, figure skater, like just generally athletic kid. And then, you know, young adult and That brought me to being one of the first U.S. employees for Lululemon Athletica. So I started working for Lululemon in 2005, and it was my last year of college. And at that time, they were still super small, only on the West Coast. They actually had a lot of stores that were franchises. And my store in Portland was bought by a Canadian, and she and her husband, they were big windsurfers, and they moved down to Portland so they can have accessibility to windsurfing. And they opened up the store. They were friends with the owner or the founder, the original founder of Lululemon. So I sort of had this weird introduction where she was running it like her own business. And she gave me a job that was basically doing community outreach because, you know, Portland's the home of Nike, world headquarters of Adidas. Like it's a huge athletic town and they needed people to sort of spread the word of Lululemon. And so I took that on. And then I finished school and was like, okay, I still want to work for this company. Like, how am I going to do it? Because they're a Canadian company. They weren't offering anything in the US. So the store, long story, was bought back by the company, as all the franchises were. And they offered me a job just kind of working retail. Like, you could be an assistant manager. You could do this. And I was like, I don't want to do that. Like, I went to school. Like, I have this. I studied communications and business. And I'm like, I don't know. I could have just worked retail, you know, without this. What am I doing? My dad's an entrepreneur and he was like, if you really like this company, stay there for a year, see if you can grow and maybe eventually you'll grow. And that's exactly what happened. I stayed there, ran the store in Portland for two or three years and then convinced Lululemon to move me to New York. Wow. So I ended up 
like it took me a while because you were like, who are you, you West Coast? Like you don't know anything about the East Coast. New York is one of our big emerging markets. Like we're not going to just bring you. But they eventually did. And they put me in a store on the Upper West Side. And I was covering someone's maternity leave, the manager of that store. And I just fell into this role in one of the biggest, it was actually the biggest volume store in the U.S. at the time. So I had a lot of attention on that store. And because of New York, Lululemon hadn't gone public yet. It was like a big time to be with that company. So I met Missy through going to her gym. She was actually recommended through another connection there that I'd met through Lululemon. I started talking to her. She wanted to be an ambassador. So we started in this weird thing where I was like not really in fitness. But then I became super into the, I'd always been into the fitness side and I was sort of like always interested in training. And eventually I left Lululemon after 10 years. I'd been in New York with them and done a lot of roles with them in all throughout the East Coast, went to London for a while. Like, so I had this big thing. Missy was always there. Like I was, you know, she even trained me and some of my assistant managers for a while. And so when I left, I went to a startup briefly and it didn't work out. And after that, I was doing a ton of soul searching. And she was like, why don't you become a trainer? Like you have the connections. You know so much about this already. You need to just get certified because you've already been kind of doing some of this stuff. It would be perfect for you. And I was like, shit, it's that's such a huge risk. I don't know. Ended up, obviously, here I am. So did that, got all my certification, started. Missy sent me my first client, built my business. It took two years to really feel confident but I did it from the ground up. I never worked for a gym and I just developed a clientele in New York and it was all referral based. Started teaching some group fitness and it just snowballed from there. And I ended up building a really strong thriving business. And that's, it's been what, like, I don't know, maybe eight years, nine wow. years that I've been doing this, which is crazy to think about because I still feel new sometimes. <laughs> like in I did it did it quite fast. Yeah. So I just went full throttle though. Like when I do something, I usually go pretty detailed and like, you know, zero like room for anything else. So I put myself with the best people I could find in New York. And that's how I literally learned. I had such good opportunities from learning by mentoring and doing. And I think that that is something that's missing for trainers. Like in my experience, a lot of the certifications you get as a trainer, it's a good baseline, but then you're like, it's so different when you actually start training people. So I was lucky to have people like Missy to be in gyms with really experienced trainers or just around people that could sort of like, you know, PRI people or you pick up little things from physical therapists or so that was my experience. I'm sort of this mix of just a little grit and then being really open to learning from people smarter than me. I think I want to touch on what you were just talking about with mentors, because I agree with you about the fitness industry not having that sort of opportunity. And like in those big box gyms, they'll like present you with mentors, but they might not even be qualified to do that. So I think what you did by like going out there and finding somebody like Missy to mentor you and help you and get you in that is not everybody does that. That's a quality that some people have. And those are the people that tend to build a business in like two years. So that's it's very interesting because I've seen that myself with PRI, but also, you know, just in general with training and learning, you have to go out of your way to find those people. And that's a really great way to learn. So I'm sure that has been really big for both of you. So I guess that's kind of makes sense as to what, how you got into strength and conditioning and how you got into what you're doing today. But Missy, can you touch on how you kind of chose this career path for yourself? 
Like what made this happen for you? Specifically with like what we're doing now or um, like- how you got into it in the first place. And then, yeah, we're going to go into what you're doing now because it is quite interesting. You know, I think I always just was interested in people's health because my I literally was around my mom who was sick most of my life, like mm. like kind of like with cancer, like really sick. So I think I just was always really curious around food and like as medicine and, you know, strength was I mean, the first thing I did when I bought when I got a license to drive was I didn't like go out and hang out with my friends. I actually bought a gym membership. And then, like, I sort of attracted the other people that, like, did the same thing. Like, after school, I would literally go to the gym. So, I mean, I also did a lot of other sports and things like that. But that was, I just kind of followed my intuition. And I've always done that in my life. And when I have, I feel, I mean, your body knows more than your mind, right? So if you're paying attention to your body, it tells you where to go. So I just literally think that I followed that path because I wanted better for other people, specifically for women, seeing my mom struggle, having three kids really young in her 20s. Obviously, I was like too little to remember those details. But as I got older, I really just was aware of how important it is to take care of your body. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I chose that specialty in college. But I'm such a mover that I didn't envision myself being like in a hospital and dietetics. Like, I also felt like at the time I wasn't really taught about entrepreneurship. So I decided to do training as a side hustle and I loved it. And to Lacey's point about finding people that actually really know about training and using them as mentors, I worked for three male trainers at this small gym in New Jersey in college. And they were just like really good trainers. And I was in my early, I must have been in my late, you know, like however old you are in college. And I just was like around these three people who like taught me how to program, like taught me how to, you know, progress people and regress people. And I work with such a wide variety of people from like men in their 80s who like really needed some rehab to like young teenagers who now are like adults and I train their parents and I actually keep in contact with wow. these people. So, and I also realized I'm such a people person that I really enjoy the communication with the one-on-one sessions and just really getting to know people. And obviously, when you feel good about your body, so many other things in life just flow so much better. So my the way I got into this was very personal and not necessarily like, oh, I want to do that. I literally just followed my intuition of like, how, what kind of mark do I want to leave on the world? How do I want to elevate people? Like, I don't think I thought those things when I was through when I was in college, but being where I am now, it it makes total sense, right? I just wanted to, and I was just interested in it. So it wasn't hard for me. I wasn't, like, it wasn't hard to study. It wasn't hard for me to, like, sit down. Like, I enjoyed working. Like, I'd often in college just train people on a Saturday morning for free. I was like, you're coming in. You know what I mean? I just, it just wasn't a thought process to me that, like, that could also be a career, right? So because I graduate, or I have a very traditional family where my dad was like, you need to have, you know, when you graduate, you have to have, like, health insurance and these things and these things. And that's how I actually wound up in the corporate side. But then I quickly realized, like, I was like, oh, I feel like I'm stuck in a box. So I wound up back and I took that leap back before I, you know, and yeah. I am. And it has evolved a lot since then from where I started then to where Lacey and I are now. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. So you mentioned about the pandemic and how you guys kind of have known each other for a long time. And then during the pandemic, you got together and really talked about evolving for the future. So maybe Lacey, can you touch a little bit on that and what transpired during the pandemic? Because obviously you guys have produced something really great 
And I want to definitely talk about that on here. So I started building a digital business on my own maybe a year before the pandemic. And it was meant to be a way to leave New York eventually and have flexibility in my career. So I saw the writing on the wall being having a business background. I was like, I can't be a one-on-one trainer forever and I don't want to open a gym. So what is the next path? And I think a lot of trainers struggle with this. You're like, how do I actually make a sustainable living with this when I'm not 25 and running around New York City and, you know, whatever. So I was also been long-term dating someone that is from Mexico. And eventually we were like, we're going to have to go back and forth or I'll have to go there. He has two daughters. And so I thought digital is going to work for me. So it was a one-on-one type of thing. Started building up an exercise library and use some software to train people remotely. So I started with maybe 10 clients remotely and then had my normal New York business. So I was already starting a little bit. I started talking about, you know, we really have found with the majority of our clients and general population that kettlebells are so accessible. We both use them for, I'd say at that point, 70 to 80% of my total training with kettlebells. Missy was training almost 100% with them to do this strength test specific to kettlebells. And I was like, you know what? Out of everything I've done in the past nine years, eight years as a trainer in New York, this is what I always come back to with most clients. Like they work the best for most people. So how could we do this bigger scale? And how could we do it digitally? So when the whole Zoom thing started with people teaching classes, for us, we were like, could we actually give people a class format? Because we started talking about how I worked in a really kind of high profile at the time group fitness studio in New York for two years. And I saw how impactful those classes were for people. But I also saw how random those classes were. And people would get really frustrated where they, you know, be doing these classes. They were hit based classes four or five days a week and wondering why they would top off or they maybe would get injured or they weren't seeing results after a certain point. And I'd always be like, well, you know, you're not really following a true structure. You're sort of just showing up and working hard. But this is what I do with my clients. I help them follow a plan. And we talk about this bigger picture than just showing up at a class. And that would blow people's mind because they're like, I just need to go to this studio and then I'm going to be fit. So with all this stuff, Missy and I were like, could we make something where we could still give that class experience? but also have those classes follow a structure. And before the pandemic, I was teaching at a studio called NeoU that was allowing creators to make classes and their method. Missy started teaching there too, doing some postnatal stuff. And they basically did all the video production, but you were able to sort of make your own classes and then they released it on an app. They owned your content, which you could still probably find our content on NeoU. I think I've seen it. Yeah. So that was the beginning. And so when the pandemic hit, I'd already been doing NeoU for maybe a year. When the pandemic hit, I was like, okay, I know how to do this now. Like aside from just learning the video production parts, but everyone was kind of doing that. And we could make something of this. So we thought originally we would be stronger together because we both collectively wanted to really help women. Like we're no nothing against guys. We have a lot of men that do our programs, but women were our muse. And With Missy's extensive knowledge with having children postnatal fitness, we thought that joining our intellectual forces could help more people because her business at the time was almost exclusively mothers. Mine at the time was a mix and sort of women that really were coming out of that group fitness, like wanting more. Like they were good, but they wanted more. 
or complete beginners. And I was like, you know what? Women have the experience more often than not than have of having children. I don't have my own children, so I don't know that bodily experience intimately. And Missy studied it. Let's just give the whole holistic thing to women. So initially, that's what my when I was thinking business, I'm like, okay, this is a great way to encompass it all. You don't have to have a postnatal program. You don't that I mean you you do, but it can all be in one place, is what I'm trying to say. We can have, you know, anything that a woman goes through with her body for strength training in one spot. And Missy will handle that postnatal side. I'll handle some of the other stuff and we'll blend it and we'll just make accessible fitness. So not super expensive, follows a plan. It's simple not flashy. And that's how it started. And we initially, we funded it all ourselves by running courses on kettlebell basics for about a year during the pandemic before we actually had built out our app and our structure. So we um, started teaching people in intimate settings like this, how to use kettlebells and, you know, everyone was stuck at home. So that was great. Those courses helped us build our programming and then we just devised the structure. So it was really a lot of weird circumstances, but we'd had some of these small, like Missy was saying, touch points already going. It was just figuring out how to join them together and what that final product would be. And I also weirdly, I know I've been talking for a minute, but I also have a video on my phone of us from like six or seven years ago of us making like a digital video teaching kettlebells in my studio in New York City. And we didn't even know what we were going to do with that. It wasn't like it was going to go on social media. I don't even know if people were posting videos like that on social media at that time. But I look back at that sometimes. and I'm like, we were thinking of this. We just didn't have all the experiences yet or the moment. So we kind of found the right moment and talk about like, you know, it's never luck, right? It's all the work you've put in over the years that sort of hit an opportunity. And for us, the pandemic was a little bit of that catalyst, as it was for a lot of people, make something happen. You should release that video. <laughs> yeah. Like, post no, it. I think, it. I think I posted it on our social media before, but like, it's, it's hilarious. Funny. Look at it, because it's so grainy and like weird, but yeah. I'm sort of like cueing Missy. I think she was doing a deadlift or something, and I was That's trying to like fit in the frame and like cue her. It was really funny. Everyone but. starts somewhere, though. That's yeah. where you guys already were thinking about it. That's amazing. Another thing I want to talk about is programming. So you mentioned about this, about how, like, people are just doing these workout classes, and I see this all of the time. The people that come to me because they're injured, a lot of times they're just doing, like, workout classes, which, great. I think a fun workout class could be great sometimes. Sure. Don't get me wrong. But that is not programming, and that is just something you can do for fun, an additional thing. But I want to talk a little bit about what is different with Bells Up, just having an actual programming template and what that means for people when they sign up and why you guys did it like that. So like rewind like my experience when I was training, when I was a trainer in college, like the three people that I was surrounded by yeah. sort of very differently. But what I always noticed is that people associated a program with sort of like barbell lifting or like max reps of something. And and then fast forward, when I was sort of introduced to like the kettlebell space, I really liked how the programming didn't stick to the mindset of like, have to do, you know, five days a week for 60 minutes. It was like, no, some days are 20 minutes, you're going to do your ballistics. 
And you can ebb and flow through that and still gain a lot of strength. So Lacey and I changed this a lot to see what would stick with customers, even though it's only been two and a half years. But in the beginning, we were programming differently. And then we kind of just more figured out like what videos are people watching? What are people watching all the way through? Because really consistency in the program is obviously so important. So we landed on what we have now. I don't want to keep talking the whole time, Lace, if you want to jump in. But we landed on a three-day-a-week program for 40 minutes. So basically, our philosophy on programming, there's a lot of ways to skin a cat. And I, you know, train one-on-one clients a little bit. I have a small group that does barbell gym, typical bodybuilding split type of things. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do. For us, like I said before, kettlebells were so versatile for general population. And for what most people could really get a lot of bang for their buck and stick to. And we found that we got really strong from following kettlebell training styles like the Russian style, the strong first style, which is the background we're trained in. And it involves doing a little bit all the time. So it's not like doing leg day and then you're so tired, you need two days off and then you do different body parts. It's sort of total body training, some splits like upper lower, but you're never fully going to a max. You're sort of training in that 70 to 80% zone where you're not gassed enough that you can't train the next day. And I think for us, we found that that fit into so many types of lifestyle. Like if you're a busy person, it was manageable. It wasn't like you needed to commit your whole life to doing a bodybuilding program and you could still get really strong. And then in the digital space, we also found that People like to do a lot of shit. Like people like to play tennis and they like to go to spin class and they like to run. And we're like, three days a week of strength. If people really love strength, you can do more. If you want to do other things, get, you know, this in as your I'm gonna get strong and stay strong. Three days a week with great. So we sort of took those concepts of kettlebell training doesn't have to be that we can blend this into a versatile strength and cardio type program because you can do a lot of conditioning with kettlebells too. And we're just going to use this tool and recommend other ones if it's needed. But most people could buy a few of these, have them in their home. We did the same thing. Like we were using them this way for years and got really strong. And you have to sign up for the long haul with it. You know, your results could be a little slower as far as like building muscle, but it's more manageable, right? It's sort of like the tortoise versus the hair, like you're not running a sprint with these things. It's a marathon, but that repetitiveness is what makes it stick. And that's why we're like, we got to get people to start thinking about repetitiveness in a group program. Because if you're just showing up, I get a lot of heat on social media because sometimes I'll call out like the Pelotons of the world or classes people love. I don't have anything against any brand or any type of thing. But I'm like, if you don't know what you're kind of doing when you show up to your next class, that's your little bit of a red flag that you should be involved in your program enough and it should feel repetitive enough that you can kind of predict what's coming. And it might be a little boring on paper, but that repetition, once you start seeing results from it, will start engaging you in your program. So that's really like what we, I think, are trying to impart to people. Like our classes, when you look at them, They're not drastically different or crazy. You're not doing a ton of different movements all the time. You're squatting, hinging, lunging, rotating. A lot of it's the same shit over and over, for lack of a better term. But 
we've packaged in a way where the user, the members that we have, don't have to be like, oh, today I want to do 20-minute legs because that's all I have, or 10-minute abs. We've sort of taken what Missy was saying, like behavior that people seem to exhibit with this stuff and tried to fit it the best we can as trainers into a program that will actually get people somewhere. And we actually offer tests after our chunks of classes. We have 12 to 10-week program, which are just a collection of classes people do in order. And at the end, there's a test. And the test is just there to help people get a few metrics. Like if you're not measuring anything, you don't know what's going on. So we're like, did you press a 10 kilo bell in the beginning for five reps? Maybe, you know, after pressing for three months, you could press it for eight. Or maybe you can press a 12 now when you couldn't press the 12 before. And that's what we've seen over the past two years, the people sticking with us and the feedback we get a lot. And that's nothing I ever saw in group fitness. Group fitness is always like, I love my instructor. It's such a good sweat. I got my ass kicked. But it was never like satisfied with progress or meeting any kind of goal per se. And I think about if you can compare that to anything in life when it comes to like goal setting, when it's teaching a child to read, you're literally not like throwing random things at the child. You're like, there's like a way to do it, right? You start here with just the alphabet then you start with like sight words and then you move on to like i don't know easy to read books based on the child's level right like but there's progression in that plan it's the same thing if you want to drive take a road trip to california right now we have smartphones so it's probably quite easy put the address in drive but before smartphones like we literally and the smartphone is the map right you're not going to just get in the car with no plan if you do kudos to you but like i feel like if you want to progress in anything in life, there needs to be some sort of plan, right? Like Lacey said, it's the people that we're, we have want to do a million other things, and that's awesome. And we're trying to help you do those million other things for as long as you can. For not as fall apart. Yeah, not fall apart. For as graceful as you can, for as long as you can in your life, right? Like, and that's what we're finding, right? Like, and I target mostly moms running after their kids all day long, right? Like I'm trying to fit, prevent you from like having low back pain, right? Like maybe having another child or two or three or whatever, or getting through that day with carrying all those bags. You know, like I go through my day, like I'm like the bag lady, the hockey bag. I have my bag. I have the things, the snack bag, you know, being able to go through life. And I don't even think about it, right? Like yeah. I don't, I don't think about the load, right? Because the way that we also train our people, and this is what I also love about kettlebells, is they're just so functional. They move really nicely. The cues that we give translate really nicely over into your everyday life. So for us, it's like sort of, a, it's the lifestyle, right? And I was gonna say like right now, there's so much noise in fitness. Mm-hmm. It's all the time too, Alina. Like, yeah, it's hard for people to know what to do. And it's not their, like anyone listening to this that's ever been confused by fitness. It's because group fitness blew up in the, you know, 2010s area. I think like Soul Cycle really was the first one that started this wave. And the normal person is like, I'm going to do that because this is what it seems like you do. Like this seems like it works. My instructor is hot. Like my instructor has abs. Like I want to be like this person. And those of us that are trainers know that it's not that simple. And a lot of times people like us have been doing this for 20 years and our muscle tone or our whatever lifestyle our, you know, ability to stick to a program is because it's habitual. We've been doing it for so long that they're seeing these years of decades, even of results. And they think like, oh, I'm going to do this for a year and I'm going to be like that. And then it's a loop and it's frustrating. Plus, 
it's not sustainable. Like what Missy was saying for most people, like you've got family, you've got work. A lot of times this stuff starts small. And then if you really want to go after those specific goals, you'll do that and you'll diverge and you'll figure out, you know, how much time you want to devote to it. But I think like group fitness, in my opinion, is kicking people's asses and isn't sustainable. And they get frustrated, injured, or a combo of both, quit, do the cycle again. And we're sort of like, we're not flashy. We're not like giving you a sexy workout. We're not saying this is going to give you, you know, your dream body in six months. But let us teach you some habits. And if people get anything from what we put out there, that's what we want. Long-term habits. Like we have people leave our platform all the time to like, I have one girl that's been with us for two years that's doing a bodybuilding program, like an intense one now. Was she ready to even think about that two years ago when she started Bells Up TV? No. But that foundation, the habit she made, the like, it bred a love for fitness for her. And she decided to go more to an extreme. That's cool. Some people might be like, kettlebells three days a week keeps me fucking fit. I'm going to stay here and I'll yeah. ride my bike on the weekends and pick my kids up and like this is where fitness in my life makes sense and that's the person that we're you know really building this for and what I love about understanding how programs work like for me because I'm like okay I had my first baby you have the baby you have to start somewhere not where you ended even like depending on how your pregnancy went I'm not going to start snatching you know after that six week to seven week postpartum checkup. No, I'm probably going to go do our postpartum program. I'm probably going to go into the beginner even and do our beginner program. And then I'm going to go into the intermediate advanced, right? And then I go through that for a couple of years. Oh, and then I have a second baby, right? And I could probably stick through the intermediate advanced, maybe through the pregnancy, depending on how I'm feeling. And if not, maybe I dip down and go back to the beginner. Or, and then when I have that baby, I come back, I do the postpartum program, and then you just progress from there. And it's just, it takes all of that guesswork out of like, we're not saying again, like they said, this may not give you the dream body that you think that you're going to have in six months, but this is about like, this is a journey. This is a process for like lack of a super cliche thing to say, but it's like maintaining and giving you like, this is the anti-aging answer. Like there is no pill. Like this is the pill. This is, this is it. Like it's, you actually have to do the thing, right? I know in a world full of like social media and one click shopping and da, 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 like you actually have to move. And it was really funny. I had this conversation with my eight-year-old the other day. He was like, are sports going to still be sports in 50 years from now? And I was like, this is so funny because like just the way technology is and how his brain was thinking, I was like, yes, yeah, sports will still be a thing, right? Like how different is baseball really from baseball 50 years ago, right? Like you still actually have to play baseball. The technology is saying like you're not listening to it on the radio. You still actually have to do the thing. So that's... I mean, that's oh, I was going to say like you might with your background in training and PRI and listeners, you know, to this podcast, like we, there isn't like a blueprint for programming for trainers. Like I get asked this all the time. Can you do a course on programming or can you teach me how to program? And yes, there are frameworks to do it, but I think it's an evolving science. And Missy and I have learned so much over nine years working with general population. Like we could never have built a digital business without that experience of working with people. And then we also, Missy sort of, 
she's really the mastermind of programming right now for Bells Up TV, but we collaborate because we obviously have to divide up stuff. But we look in our classes in a year format. So we mentioned like 10 weeks, 12 weeks is the perfect amount of time, in our opinion, to see some adaptation. Like if you only do a four, if you see a four week program out there, cool, that's something you're doing something consistent, but it's not really long enough to see much change. So we look at it in those chunks. So we're like every quarter in the year, like a lot of us, you know, if you're, you know, paying your taxes quarterly or your business operates quarterly, like it's kind of the same for your body. You need some time. So we look at it in that way and our classes build upon each other, even into the next program. So that's one way that we give people this structure. And then the second way is we use rate of perceived exertion as a metric, which we've really perfected. I think this year, Missy, you might agree, like that's at our first year. 100%. Because you might wonder, like, how do you make a group program fit? Like all three of us probably would be using different weights, maybe even doing different reps for the format that we're providing. So the thing that, that I think is great with us is our video format gives people that need a little more encouragement or not just motivation, encouragement, technique cues and explanation of how to do things, that opportunity to follow something more than just something written on paper. So we can say, you know, we intend this to feel like an eight out of 10, which means like 80% of your effort. So if your weight that you're using, you could do 15 reps of this movement and feel like just cool. Your weight's not heavy enough. You are stronger than that. And I think these things help people to stay in a mindset of, I'm not going to just use the same 10-pound dumbbells for a year. And that's another thing in group fitness that I think people get stuck in. It's like, oh, I did my strength training, but you've used the same weights. You're not familiar yet of progressive overload, how you need to constantly be thinking in a mindset of a learner and making these upgrades for yourself and having a kind of a direction on how to do that. Like I you know, all of us have to kind of learn that and adapt it. So our programming structure is really us like looking at it big picture like a personal trainer. Like we're looking at it holistically, not just class by class or even month to month. And then we're giving people these little like sort of expandable structures to make some judgment calls in their training. Like if they need to adjust things based on the equipment they have or what they can physically do or can't do. Yeah, there's so much you guys just both touched on in this podcast that I think are very, very important with training. And I did sit like five or six years of just strict training people. And I think that what you said first, just with the more of a full body approach versus killing somebody doing leg day. I mean, I was a bodybuilder. I did Olympic weightlifting. I know what that split is like. That is not feasible for a regular person. I know it's not. And I agree. I just agree so much with everything you're talking about from the programming standpoint. It's an art. It's not something that people could just pick up and know how to do. It takes 20 years experience to like be able to just rattle off a program quickly. And I think that there's a lot behind both of you that your backgrounds are so different, but they coincide so well. And that's why you're able to do this for women and whoever sign up for this program. The stuff you just said about all of that was just it's vital. And I think there's a really big difference between a brand new trainer and an experienced trainer. And I don't, I think that the industry is getting there now where people are starting to see how important it is. Who's like, if you hire somebody to take care of your body in a strength training aspect, like you're hiring somebody and you better make sure that they know what they're doing versus just 
going and finding somebody who's cheap and just sticking with them. Because there is a very big difference in people like you who are doing this as a career and in an intelligent manner to help people get better and stronger and be able to sustain their life long term. Because that's ultimately the goal. And that's what I hear from both of you. You're helping people build families, move around, be comfortable, do repetitive activity, which is what humans are literally meant to do. Like we are just meant to walk and breathe. That is all and maybe reproduce. But that is all we really... (laughs) really are need to do. And so when you're training somebody and you're training them in this maybe sort of boring, repetitive manner, to me, that is so important. Because you see this on Instagram all the time. You see people doing the craziest exercises and, you know, upside down with on top of a BOSU ball, doing three squats with a barbell on their back. Nonsense. And to me, it's like, well, that's not what we necessarily need to do. And the simple aspect of your programming that can be transferred into that mom while she has two kids running around and they like she could do that programming, I think is so vital. We do have a lot of moms listening to this. So I really hope this gets to them to realize that you can actually still strength train even though you had a baby and you might be extremely stressed out. There, There are different ways to go about it. I'm like you, Lacey. I don't have kids, so it's hard for me to fully relate and understand. But Missy can relate and understand. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I also realize that sometimes the plan has to be really flexible. Yeah. Um, I was training really hard for a very specific thing last year. And I just got to the point where I was like a little bit feeling overwhelmed by how much I was supposed to be training. Yeah. But I had to have a real honest conversation with myself because I was like finding that I was getting annoyed when I didn't finish the thing. And then I would yeah. be like, everybody else in my life because I'm like I didn't get to do this one thing so I had to be real honest with myself of like why am I actually doing this am I trying to fit a square peg into a round hole like I have so much other things going on in my life that really are calling my attention yeah so I started to I just like to hit a refresh button and I was like okay I'm gonna set a timer I'm gonna do our challenge because Lacey and I uh, twice a year put out a challenge and it's like 20 minutes six days a week or how much you have time for six days a week and that to me sounded so manageable. And I was literally so happy. Like a complete light switch went off for me, like like a light bulb. I was just like back in the groove, not feeling stressed out about my training. And it shouldn't feel stressful, right? Like, but it does need, if you know, I, I'm also not the kind of person, like I'm not, I don't want to throw spaghetti at the wall, right? So yeah, I just think from my perspective, being a mom, I know how important it is for me, like how I felt like how my recoveries went being, you know, doing training, how my pregnancies felt, being strong. And life is really busy. So I don't always have time to do an hour session, but 20, 30, 40 minutes, three days a week, or if I'm doing the challenge, you know, six days a week is really much more manageable for me. And I'm still making progress. Yeah, also, I, like, I can relate. We like as trainers over the years, We've mostly worked with women, and I think now there's this sort of narrative going around like, oh, you just do what you feel like, do what makes you happy. Pilates is enough. Yoga is enough. Running is like all these things are great, but we're we've seen people have harder recoveries because they're not strong. We've seen a lot of things like, you know, not to say that going to the gym three days a week is going to like be this band-aid that's going to protect you or like a bubble that's going to protect you from everything. But I think that one of the most destructive things happening right now is that women aren't educated enough to understand that 
strength training isn't solely about aesthetics. It's not going to make them change their bodies into like a CrossFit athlete or bodybuilder in two seconds and get bulky. And a lot of this stuff is sort of the foundation. Again, like Missy said, it's not like, oh, I just show up and do this thing that isn't hard. It's actually challenging and it's meant to be that way, but it also sets you up for a lot of things you want to do in your life, like have a baby. So we actually try to get women thinking about that. Like if you want to have a baby in three to five years, good time to start. Or, you know, it's it's not like this thing that you do at this point. It's sort of a thing like brushing your teeth. Strength training is a science. Exercise science is a science. It's not a method somebody just made up because it worked for a dancer or it worked for whatever it is. This is actually, like you said, humans are meant to walk and lift things up. Yeah. Like that's literally, we're not meant to run marathons. We're not meant to do a lot of these extreme things that people do. We're meant to walk and move things all day, like migrating tribes. And our bodies respond really well to that. And it's kind of like (laughs) this fear of strength training is really... um, it's been an interesting one navigating with social media, like what you talked about, Alina. Yeah. yeah. And if, you know, like you said, if our sole purpose is to breathe and walk and maybe reproduce, it's a hell of a lot easier to recover from, from an incident, whether it is birth, maybe, you, God forbid, anyone you know, gets in an accident or all the rehab, like something happens where you need your body to like kick in. It's really a lot easier if you're, strong right and i think that that's sort of like the key thing that's missed is like it's not we need to get you earlier people need to get on it's sort of like you don't start saving money when you're in your 80s and 90s right it's the same concept it's a lot easier when you start in your 20s and 30s it's you know that just it just makes life a lot easier I'm like biased because I grew up as a gymnast. So I've always done strength and conditioning since I was five, six years old. Even though I was like more of a rec gymnast, I feel like because of my background, and there are many things about gymnastics that I wouldn't think is necessarily great as you do competitive and you get older and it's a lot of stressors on the body. But there's a conditioning aspect when it comes to like gymnasts that they do. And that routine, I really did it when I was like 14 onwards. And I always wanted to lift weights. And I really have this like saying that's like, you're not just training, you're training for your life. Like Mm -hmm. whatever you want to do in life, you need to be strong for. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't think, I mean, this is also unbiased, but I really don't think we should be having babies unless we prepare for it. Because ultimately... I've seen people that are so, their bodies are such a wreck after pregnancy, but they've done no strength and conditioning prior. You have to prepare yourself. This is a trauma that your body goes through. And I think the more you prepare yourself prior, the easier it's going to be. Not always. Sometimes people that are super strong have really hard situations. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to always say that. But I do think having this sort of more, I hate the word functional, but the way you are training people is in a functional manner that correlates well towards life. And that's really, those are the people you're not going to see have issues. Yeah. I know that, you know, most midwives and doulas would say that second baby comes out faster anyway, but Makes sense. my birth with my second was cut in half. But I really feel like so much of it had to do with, I mean, I stood up after he came out too. I like literally stood up. I remember your story 
Yeah, I stood up after my second son came out. I remember and my doula was like, whoa, I'm like, I don't know, I'm, I'm okay. But there was also a lot of other things that I did to prep for that that I didn't do the first time. Like, well, didn't I, you have a VBAC too? Yeah, I remember. Um, so it was a different, a completely different mental space. Also, I did a lot of meditation and all those things. That's the whole other podcast. Wow. But yeah, you really have to tune in with that. Yeah. And I kind of, this is an anecdote, but I kind of hate when people are like, oh, women have been having babies forever. And I'm like, okay, true. But also sedentary lifestyle didn't exist. I, boom. Boom. I was I was like, women were probably that. schlepping shit around, watching yes. things chasing kids like water buckets on their head yeah so so i'm like our training style is sort of like the modern day i hate saying like the cave woman or whatever but it yeah it kind of is it's like lift a little move a move often it's not too much they were moving things they were i never kids yeah i never trained with either of my kids to the point of exhaustion or like you know this is also a different podcast but the way that I changed my programming as I got bigger with Jordan, because when I was pregnant with my second, I was doing pull-ups. I was pressing 220s over my head. I was squatting 220s. And I know that's not for everybody. I was doing that for a long time. But I changed my programming as my physical load on my body got bigger. If you're not watching this video, I'm making a pregnant belly with my hands. So it's not Everything's not what you see on social media. Everything's not just the information that you hear right now. There's more to the stories. But the whole point of this is you the best you possibly can, as long as you're not having any complications or you're really in tune, like it's more you have to just do what you can and take care of your body. Cause like like you guys just said, it's the lifestyle now is very different. It's very sedentary. People sit most of the day. And Unless then screen in time. I'm- Yeah. A lesson I learned, because I definitely am a self-diagnosed in the past, like workout addict. Like I think I was using training in an unhealthy way. And I don't think I know in my mid to late 20s. And this is before I really was diving deep into learning a lot about exercise science. Like I was sort of just, I was a runner and I think I was using exercise to cope with moving across the country, being lonely, like all sorts of things. And I do think women kind I mean it goes both ways but I think women see images of that more often especially with social media now like these extremes of training and wanting to be like that you know if I don't do more I'm gonna get less type of attitude and Missy and I both have learned through the years like we're Missy just turned 40 this year call you out I just turned 39 like we're not 26 anymore that can do whatever we want and both of us are stronger and I think even aesthetically look better. And Missy's had two kids than we did in those times in our life. And it's just the culmination of relaxing into this stuff a little more. Like I think anything extreme, like extreme food management or dieting, extreme training, all of it comes with a price. And I think sometimes women are scared to even say like, I could do 20 minutes and still look and feel really awesome. Um, I know I was there. And if I could tell my younger self anything sometimes, it would be you don't have to stress out so much about making all of this stuff perfect. It's just that consistency of doing something manageable for a lot of years. And, you know, it's hard. By the way, you both look like you're 25. (laughs) I know it's weird, right? Sometimes I'm like, what happened? (laughs) 
I mean, that, but that is true. You said before, like anti-aging. It's really true. Like, you know, some of my friends that don't lift are already starting to do things like Botox. And I'm kind of like, okay, everybody teach their own. But I have noticed that people that have lifted weights for years don't really need that. Yeah. And I think he has this theory. I get a little I, on my forehead, but, you know, I think it's true because you're just you're just healthier in general. You are. You are. Like, yeah. You're, anything that's stagnant is gonna not age well. Like things grow mold, it gets dusty. You gotta move all, all the time. Like, and it doesn't have to be extreme, but if you're stagnant yep. in anything, it's not a good thing. It's yeah. not. And, you know, I think it like needs to be challenging enough that you're actually challenged. And that's why we really preach strength training because it's the glue and it's hard. Like it's not like doing a 10 minute just roll around on your mat and lift your arm. Like, that's fine. Like, some of the times you need something more, you know, low-impact chill, but your body's meant to work. We're yeah, meant to work. We are. And we have to remember that, you know, for every yoga class I want to take, I also have to remember my body is meant to lift shit up. Yes. Like, it is. It's, it's, it's so true. So, yeah. two questions for you. Where can people find you? And I will link, like, how to sign up for Bells Up. So just you'll have to send me that, but I'll definitely link that. But where can people find you? On our website at www.bellsup. Well, there's a slash in between. Bells I'll it. Dot com. Thanks. Perfect. And then Lacey and I's in personal Instagrams. Mine's at Melissa Paris Fitness, at Lacey Lazoff. And then, of course, at Bells Up TV. Awesome. And then yeah. my last question is, what do you... Well, I kind of know the answer, but try and give me something different. What do you do to move your brain and your body? Doesn't have to be at the same time can be at the same time it's completely up to you it doesn't have to be every day Just yeah so i'm really i'm spiritual so i um listen to a lot of podcasts actually and just Ooh. sort of health growth love it um, i just started this year actually doing some journaling which i know is like hot but like i've always been into like you know pen to paper kind of thing so i do that for my mind and then for my body i usually wind up training like midday for 30 minutes because I do it like right for either I kind of I start work because that's how my brain works. I have to start work, get things out of the way or else I feel like I'm distracted while I'm training. And then I train midday and then I go back to work and then I usually move on and get the kids and go on with the day. You're cute kids. They're so cute. <laughs> Thank you. I am biased. Oh, my God. They're like doing pull ups in the middle of the living room. They're really fun. They're really fun. They're very sporty. I just love how you model for them. I love it. Uh, yeah. I don't like this behavior. And we are definitely, amazing. we as adults are definitely, um, when people ask me questions just about like parenting and I was like, you know, just lead by example, everything will follow. You really do that for sure. For years I've been following you and I know that about you. So I think it's amazing. I can't wait to be a parent to do the same thing. Thank you. That means a lot. Thanks. What about me? So right now I write a program. It's been interesting because I'm following my own program, which I've go back and forth with doing, but it's a small group training crew. So I have a group that does like a mixture of kettlebells, barbells, and I put machine lifts in there for people that have gym access to kind of a choose your own adventure a little bit in there. So I'm doing that four days a week. But something that has been interesting for me, I actually have a really big dog. I have a Belgian Malinois and he's three. So I have become a dog walker and I find that since I'm not in New York City as much anymore, I'm um, more sedentary. And the dog walking has been so good for my mental health and just my physical health. And I 
don't really burn myself out in cardio. And it's been kind of cool to see that even just the normal sort of <laughs> movement goes so far. So that's been a cool thing because it's not like I can't, he needs to go out. So there's no choice. So I've kind of been thrown into that. So that's what I do right now for mostly my fitness. And for my mental, I'm a big reader, but not just books, like a ton of stuff, periodicals, newspapers. I listen to different podcasts. I really like to know what's going on in the world. And so I have a portion of that every night where I'm, I feel like I'm learning about something that I never thought I would. And then also I spend a lot of time in Mexico, so I'm learning Spanish. So I think that that living in another language a lot has been so amazing for mental acuity. I highly recommend doing that. I mean, it's really challenging, but it also... I think there have been studies that said it really helps stave off like dementia and different things. So I think being an adult and this is just one example, but solving puzzles or solving things, pushing yourself to use your brain in a different, uncomfortable way has been an amazing way that I move my brain. And, you know, I think it is hard to learn a language as an adult, but I think it's not impossible. It's just because we don't have as much time for play and we're a little more self-conscious about making mistakes. So. Yeah. So that's what I do. I love it. Thank you both so much for coming on our podcast or my podcast. I keep saying our because I'm so used to that, but it's mine now. <laughs> um, that podcast. Yeah. I really, really appreciate it. You both are Thank amazing. You. So, Thanks thank you for so having much. us. Thanks.